Bandwidth for ChangeLog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Welcome to this special episode of Request for Commits. We wanted to close out the first season with a look behind the scenes of the show. We've got the entire party here. Myself, Adam Stokoviak, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. Jared Santo, Managing Editor of Changelog. And also the host, Nadia Ekbal and Michael Rogers. Everyone say hello. Hi. Hey. Hello. Request for Commits. This show was uh, uniquely unified in, in terms of how we came about it. Nadia, we had you on the changelog January of this year, 2016, talking about sustainability and open source. We were huge fans of that topic, but we knew we couldn't do every single episode of the changelog specifically on that. So we're like, when we're done with that show, we're like, hey, we should, you know, do a show with you or you really should podcast about this. And what, what were you thinking at that moment? Can you kind of go back to that, that early stages of it? I think it was definitely like, <laughs> I think it was just like, hell no. Because <laughs> I think it was the first, uh, interview i'd done definitely the first interview i'd done on open source um and yeah i was just like not super comfortable with recording online or whatever um so yeah i mean i I put it like in the back of my mind but it was kind of like it was nice to think that like what would that be like in my head right um and i think like as i was continuing to meet people and talk to people i kind of kept that in the back of my mind of oh yeah it would be kind of cool if it was just this conversation but published so yeah, definitely planted the seed in my head. Well, and I, I listened to that podcast actually. And it was funny because at the time that I listened to the podcast, I actually, I hadn't met you yet, but we had right. like, like on the calendar that we were going to meet, like, I think like a week later or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember listening to that podcast and, and being really frustrated, but like in a good way, because <laughs> it, it was this really kind of high level broad thing. And like every one of your answers, I was like, I want to spend an hour talking about just that thing, <laughs> like just that, <laughs> that two minute segment, like every two minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. And then we met up and talked for like a couple hours, I think about Great. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. There's been some people, Michael, that had described your position on the show as like uh stories from the battlefield so to speak can you talk to that a little bit <laughs> well um I, I i do think that like the the difference in our perspectives is that like i tend to talk about uh my experiences or like just stories that i've heard kind of from other people as well you kind of take everybody's experiences and you learn from them um and and not but nadia is like this amazing researcher and has like uh, like goes out and finds way more stories than i have just from my own kind of personal perspective um so yeah i think that like i i tend to tell a lot of stories and come come from it from that end and then nadia is much more um analytical and tends to really keep things on track in terms of uh always focusing on sustainability and keeping like a much more coherent narrative and story that we're trying to do about sustainability oh thanks michael Uh, well i think we could definitely give props to nadia on her note taking um yeah first of all (laughs) your your paper for the ford foundation was an epic in the actual sense of the word Mm -hmm. uh very long um, real quick, I just want to, I'm just looking at our, our show list and thinking, man, we just met in January of, of 2016 and here it is December of 2016 and have 11 awesome episodes of a show that we get, we're all can be proud of. So I want to congratulate y'all on doing that. It's an, it's, it's excellent. But Nadia, tell us about these notes because 
Y'all got to see some of the Google Docs that Nadia can can crank out their they are. <laughs> their thesis, I think the word basically. is thorough. I think I should stop sending them to the speakers because I worry I'm scaring them. <laughs> <laughs> they might be they're like, so we're going to talk like, about all this stuff? All that. Yeah, I might stop doing that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't I know. I'm just them. like a... I think it helps them because it, it refreshes their memory about like, oh, I may have to talk about that. So, yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think I'm it's kidding. good. Things are going very well. Don't change it up. No, nah, okay, I would right, change it. Right. Keep doing crazy duck. Worst yeah. case scenario, you keep them on their toes. You know, it, it's sort of like, wow, these these people are serious. Okay, yeah, we're in a podcast no. about this. Yeah. And I think to that note, you know, one of my most favorite, not because it's the best one, but because I just love the way he came in with passion, was Brendan Ike. And mm-hmm. like, it, it was like uh, the gun band just pulled it back and let it go, and and, and Brendan just told the story, the history mm-hmm. of of open source, the web, how it was funded, and like, I think. I think you could have done that anyways, but maybe the notes was like, hey, this is serious. We're going to talk about the history of the web here. And and he was like ready for it. I, I think it made him really excited, too, because it, it made it clear that we were going to talk about something different than most of his podcasts. Like usually he comes on and talks about either either how he created JavaScript in like an hour or whatever it was or um, or like, you know, what what is the next version of JavaScript look like? Like those yeah. are the two styles of interviews that he really gets. Um, and we were clearly going to talk about other stuff. But for, for all the listeners out there that don't understand what we're talking about with these notes because they haven't seen them. <laughs> um, so these these aren't notes of like while we're talking that these are uh, prepared notes before the the interview um that are you know basically kind of uh broken into three sections um because we have the breaks in between and nadia essentially just does a lot of research and has like a lot of possible discussion points and we never hit all of them but it's this amazing guide that we can continue to fall back to so we try to have a conversation and, and move naturally but it's it also one of the reasons why the show continues to like move forward really easily is because we always have that guide to fall back to and the, the notes are are amazing and super thorough and it really Honestly, shows up, like, like how good not I'm like terrified of talking off the cuff, which is why I do them because like with present, like live presentations or yeah, podcast stuff. I just like, I'm always afraid. I know Adam all says embrace the silence, but I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> um, embrace yeah, it. I have to have something ready. Can we talk about the, the design of the show a little bit then uh, on that note, since off the cuff is something you're scared of. We kind of come into the show a little differently than maybe other podcasts do where they sort of say, so guests tell everybody who you are and they rant for 10 minutes and burn 10 minutes of showtime. Whereas we come in and it's like, you go right into the heart of the story. Hmm. Well, these are the things that, um, like I didn't really think about until Michael pointed this out, but that we get to bring people on the show to talk about a side of themselves that they don't always get asked about. Um, so it's not always about like what they've done from a technical perspective. It's sort of like, who are you as a person and what is your philosophy on things? And, um, when we open up the show with an intro side, it's more about, it's more tailored to the sustainability topic and not just, oh, you created JavaScript. Let's talk about that. Right. And I mean, there, there always is that first section where we do get into the person's background, but it's always where we get into their background specific to what we want to talk about later. So we really just want to provide the audience with like their credentials and credibility around whatever side of sustainability we're going to go at. So like we rarely talk about somebody's like entire history. Um, because it's usually not relevant. I mean, there are some exceptions. Like I think, you know, Heather Meeker 
has an amazing, amazing legal history. Um, and I think all of it is probably relevant to her views on <laughs> the legal side of open source. Right. Um, but for most people, we, we, we don't do that at all because it's just so much of what they do isn't really relevant. And we almost never ask them about like, you know, their project that they're working on right now, which is what most podcasts do. Cause usually they're on to talk about whatever project that they're right. promoting. But we're, we're like, no, 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 this thing that you've been, you know, working on for 10 years, that is sort of like an underpinning of, of open source sustainability. Like, let's get into that. You know? They're very, um, I wouldn't say timeless, where you could just listen to them forever, but they're very, it's not like you can say, oh, that was recorded in November of 2016, or that was in October for sure. Like, you don't really have, from the perspective of the show, it's not really like a timestamp on it. It's almost timeless to a degree. Yeah, and some are better than others for that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, Brendan is working on a lot of really relevant stuff right now. So I think that his one is probably, you know, a little bit more kind of time stamped, especially like the the kind of third section of that one. But yeah. mm-hmm. I think that discussion that we had with Carl Fogel will basically, you know, the, the first on one the that history. we put out. The, yeah, yeah, that that one. Well, I think it'll, you know, his his book is still relevant 10 years later. So I think that conversation right. probably has some longevity in it of a few years. at least. And you even said uh I think I forget where you were working at at the time, but you were saying that that was like the the Bible that everyone put on their desks for open source and how to run governance and mm. how to do open mm-hmm. source, basically. Yep. Yep. It was. And I mean, now What's the it's, book's name. It's producing, producing open, open source. Yeah. Producing, producing open, open source. source software. Gotcha. And okay. and according to him, there's going to be a new version coming out, but we're still waiting on it and since we've (laughs) been working with o'reilly too we got to give thanks because they did let him do some unique i think license is a creative commons licensed they let him put it's on the it's on the there's like a website producing oss.com right that is the whole book in its entirety we have to do better with our show notes i'm going to our show notes now for both of these shows and uh the book is not linked up why i do not know why yeah i don't know why the book's not linked up i'm looking at it um i'm I know Nadia, I did this. So it's my fault. It up. Gotta Come fix on. it. This is my fault. We'll fix this. So if you're listening to this, it's considered fixed. Okay. <laughs> the links will be there. But yeah, uh, it's, it's available online. You can read it online. And I believe it's Creative Commons. And that's a unique thing for O'Reilly because they obviously paid to get that book produced. But it was like, this is so important. We should, we should give it away. Let's talk about some favorite moments then from this season. I know that I've got a couple myself. Um, We've kind of talked around a couple of them to some degree just now, but uh, anyone want to start off with a favorite moment from this season that they can share with the listeners? My favorite was episodes one and two, specifically the what I would call somewhat heated debate between Carl and Michael um, about many things. Michael, from your perspective, uh, we have a lot of fun during that conversation because I had a lot of fun listening to it. Oh, no, it was great. It was great. I, I think there was actually one moment where both Nadia and I uh, sort of landed on on we, we very much disagreed with Carl's perspective yeah. and where, where we had a different perspective. But it was um, it it was just such a great conversation uh, that we that we could disagree and it not be like, you know, angry. Um, and we were really trying to understand his perspective and how he's coming at it. I, and I think I learned a lot more from that than I would have, if, you know, <laughs> somebody who just like agreed with. Them. Yeah. What I what I really respected about Carl, and I have to go back and listen again because I think it it was the first episodes out. I listened to it probably back in August or maybe even July, so I don't remember the exact details. But there was a specific moment where you kind of changed his mind about something, and he even said it as he was you know as he was debating. He's like, "Well, I'm kind of changing where I stand," you know, as we talk, <laughs> which was just really 
really admirable and neat to see. Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we scheduled that one for a two-parter because we knew that it would take so long because me and Nadia both talked to Carl before and, and had an understanding of like how long that it could go because with most of these people, like, like we were saying, you know, there, there's an aspect of their work that we want to talk about. And so that's going to be an hour um, because it's not all of their work. But with Carl, like he's he he has views on kind of every angle of open source sustainability and and community. And so it was just it was going to be huge. And I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know if you felt like this, Nadia, but I, I felt like we didn't have enough time. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It was like three hours. We could have done, I mean, he was the original inspiration for the show. We were like, oh, we should just do a, a podcast with Carl and. We could just we could have done like every episode on him. (laughs) (laughs) This was actually the same day, too. I recall this. Didn't we do back to back part one, part two with Carl? Yeah, it was it was just a straight up three hour block. Yeah. And I weirdly wasn't exhausted afterwards. I was just like, all right, let's keep going. (laughs) Get him back on season two. Any chance? Bring him back for a a round Mm -hmm. two season two. Hopefully his book is done and we can bring him on and talk about it. That'd be cool. Yeah. So other favorite moments. And so, Michael, what's a favorite moment from you? My, I, I think um, I, I really liked having Max on um, because, I mean, Max is one of my really good friends and I, I talk to him pretty often. We, we used to have a company together and kind of talk every day. And, you know, I don't very few moments in that were things that me and Max had talked about before. Like it was all really new stuff, like the kind of stuff that we would have only talked about in, in this kind of setting with this podcast and certain things that I just never thought that I'd know, like Nadia knew all this stuff, but like about, but then I didn't know the other but stuff I just, about Max. Yeah, but I, I had no idea. Like, you know, I, I did not know that grant funders love uh, convenings and <laughs> they're <laughs> called convenings. I didn't even know that. Wow. <laughs> Okay. That's where you go and you network and shake hands and meet new people and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's never a networking event. It's always a convening. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there you go. So that's yeah. episode number six. That was Max Ogden talking about grant funding. Now, Nadia, when we had you on uh, the Change Law, we talked a bit about grant funding to some degree around sustaining open source. And you had some pretty unique perspectives around VC and then also grant funding and that show there what what thoughts can you share here behind the scenes about that about max's episode or yeah that episode there grant funding and that process i was super happy that we had an entire episode dedicated to that i think that was sort of the what i've been excited about with the show in general um we organized season one to each episode focusing on a different topic and just being able to go that deep on a topic was really fulfilling um because i mean i talked to max you know a, a couple of times before um but you know, when you're like meeting someone, you're talking about all sorts of things. You're trying to get a complete picture of someone right. and to come back and have like to be able to talk about a topic that we had both thought was important, um, mm. but we knew that wasn't well understood by the rest of open source. I think was like that was just deeply satisfying. Um, Real quick. Can I uh, can I talk about VC funding for a second? Because I feel like we've 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 been a year from, uh, you know, from your first post back in January and the conversation that we had on the change log. Wherein you know you talked about the potential of you know VCs being interested in funding an open source, and now you you can look back at the year you're you're at GitHub now. You've been in the trenches having these conversations with developers. Um, have your thoughts on that congealed or changed since since yeah, January? A lot. I'm kind of curious to go back and listen to that episode because I think I think a lot has has <laughs> changed. And the thing I felt really solid on this whole year has been that there is a problem that should be talked about. Um, mm-hmm. figuring out what to do about the problem is 
obviously the hardest part and I think takes a long time. And so over this year, just, I mean, doing this show too has been an excuse to think really in depth about some of these ideas. I don't know that venture is the right place to start. I'll put it that way. Just in terms, I think like part of what, when I was first thinking about this stuff, it was like, how do you just like get money into the problem in the first place? And coming straight from VC, that was my first thought. Um, but I think I'm thinking more about like, how do I, how do we create like a system, a sustainable system of support? And that's not going to be the best aligned yeah. place in my opinion. So looking back at those deep conversations that you were able to have during season one, what are some highlights uh, from your perspective, favorite moments or episodes? I think Heather was my favorite one, or at least one of my favorites. Um, just because Heather was one of those people I'd had, I think, one conversation with before. And was I remember coming away from that conversation and just like scribbling down all these notes because I just didn't know all these things. And she had just sort of she was so uh, understated about it. And she's just like, oh, yeah, you know, sharing all this history and all this interesting legal stuff. Um, so I knew that I wanted her on the show and yeah, being able to go that deep on licenses and not just licenses in the sense that I think talking about licenses can get very politicized um, in open source. But with her, I felt like it was more about history and it was more about understanding the broader landscape and having that kind of that kind of conversation, I think, was was great. Yeah, that one surprised me more than any other episode. Like, I, I definitely thought that we were going to have one conversation and it turned into something much, much more. Um, yeah. Yeah. How do you mean? Um, I, I, I really thought that it would end up being more about the licensing side of things. Um, and that, and it ended up being really about sustainability, like at, at the end of the day, um, and how licensing kind of plays into that and is an yeah. aspect of that. Um, and I thought that it, we would end up talking more about free software licensing just because she has such a history in that, but we actually ended up getting into a lot of like really, really good other stuff. Um, yeah, I think we ended up following that conversation a lot, like, m like more than most of them. We, we, I think fell back to the notes a little bit less. Um, yeah. 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 I remember one thing she said that stuck with me was about how licenses themselves are these reusable documents where instead of every project having to pay a whole bunch of legal fees to get their ducks in order, you just have these documents you can essentially copy paste into your project. Um, and you know that you're legally covered. And that is, I hadn't really thought about how revolutionary that is. Um, but like coming from startups, for example, like yeah. you have to hire a lawyer if you want to like. Yeah. Everybody is yeah. redoing the same thing every single time because yeah. there's some unique experience for each and every company. Right. And everybody's probably end up doing the same thing. Just copy paste the business name to some <laughs> degree. Like, I mean, it, they probably even hire the same firm or same attorneys. And right. Uh, and in open source, it's like anybody can just access the text, copy it, put it into your project, and you're done. And that's like actually pretty nuts. That certainly speaks to the dry mentality of the software development world, not just software developers, but those that operate in open source. Uh, mm -hmm. Everyone from evangelists to those who help with documentation to those who actually write core code. It, it's certainly there's appreciation for don't repeat yourself if you don't have to. Mm hmm. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, well, I think that the difference in perspective between developers and lawyers was really interesting, too, right? Like, I'd never yeah. heard somebody say, like, what do you mean license proliferation? Like, the, the, there is no standardization around any licensing in the proprietary world. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that was interesting. Even on the, right. on the, so you have the authorship side from the lawyer perspective or from the business perspective. If you have proprietary yeah. license, you have to hire somebody, a lawyer, to write that. 
but then on the receiving side as well, right? So mm-hmm. if you say this is MIT, I don't need I we have preconceived understandings of what that means. But on if every proprietary license is different, you have to actually have lawyers vet it on the receiving side, even if it is like Adam said, it's a copy paste from a previous proprietary license, doesn't matter. So you have costs on both sides, which I had never even considered. I also appreciated, and this isn't exactly accurate, but something she said was was pretty funny was I'm not a lawyer, but I play one on Reddit. <laughs> Which is not true. I mean, she's a lawyer, but she's she uh, is a lawyer. She I wasn't really sure why she said that, but uh, I thought it was funny. We pulled that out as a pull quote for the for that episode as well. I think it was. I think I'm not sure, but I think we were talking about um how everyone just has these really strong opinions about legal and licensing stuff and open source because right, you right. kind of had to, right? Um, right. But you're in the end, you're not actually a lawyer. You're just sort of like taking your opinions and beating other people over the head with it. So if we zoom out a little bit, we look at all of season one, we're done with it. Uh, we've looked back at the beginnings of it, so to speak. Um, there had to have been some sort of overarching message that the two of you were hoping to get across to the audience. What, what was that message? And do we, do we achieve our goal of doing that? For me, it actually just kind of crystallized two things that, well, actually, which I shouldn't say crystallized because I didn't, I hadn't really come to this until we started doing the podcast. Um, and I don't know if it was just the podcast or also like other conversations that I have with Nadia. Um, <laughs> but there's kind of two points. One is that we, a lot of the, the, just the notion of sustainability and sustainable practices, it needs to become part of the, the general developer mindset, the way that testing became part of the general mindset. Like Open source developers did not write tests like when I started doing open source, like that wasn't a thing. And there was a, a conscious movement to get people to value testing and for testing to become like part of the process. Um, and I think a lot of this notion of sustainable practices around how you manage a project needs to become part of the same thing. And the other one, which is is somewhat related to what Nadi was talking about with venture, is that we need companies to one, understand how dependent they are on open source and to then develop a relationship to open source that that is based on how much they are actually dependent on it for their business rather than charity, which is where, where it is in most businesses right now. Like if they put money into open source, it's in this weird charity bucket and it's disconnected from the actual business Very value. Very much, yeah. I can agree with that. Um, and that's just, that's not sustainable. Um, and it And it doesn't, connect properly and it doesn't give the people who work there the right kind of flexibility that they need in order to contribute and to be part of open source um like i (laughs) a lot of people are gonna be mad for me to say this because it's it's a lot of people's job and it's definitely been my job in the past but I, i don't necessarily agree with having this this one open source person or this group of people that work on open source that are detached from product and detached from the rest of the engineering. Like if all of your product and all of your engineering is dependent on open source, all of your engineers for some portion of their time should be contributing to open source should be involved because if you don't have a seat at the table and you don't get to direct where it's going, you eventually won't be able to use that technology anymore for your use cases. Um, and it's, it's harder to teach that. Like it's, it's actually probably easier to, to walk into an organization and say like, you, you need to cut a check for this amount of money to this foundation because like they deserve it and you're dependent on them. It's actually easier to do that than to get them to, to reassess the, <laughs> the business value of what they're using. Um, but I, I think in the long term, that's what we need to do. Yeah. I think, uh, thematically Michael kind of <laughs> stole my answer. Oh man. Um, Sorry. <laughs> but that's a good Sorry. thing. That means we have the same message for this, this show, but again, it's, it's, <laughs> But 
Michael had said when we had started this about how like it'd be really interesting to talk to these people who are known and accomplished for certain aspects of their life and they don't get to talk or think about the other aspects. That was my goal with this show was bringing sustainability to the forefront of the conversation um, and showing that there are like a lot of different facets to that as well. It's not just about how do I get paid for the work that I do, but it's how do you think about your community? How do you think about grants or business stuff if you if that interests you? Um, there's a lot of different aspects to it. And being able to explore all that really deeply, I think, in a sense, just helps legitimize that this is something you should be thinking about if you work in open source. It's And that seems in the beginning of this year, maybe that was like less obvious. And now I feel like it's it's becoming more obvious. But I mean, we've talked about how there's some people who think this stuff doesn't matter at all. Um, so there's a lot of, I think, history that has to be overcome to say like this, this stuff actually matters. It's a really big part of the work that you do. And we should be talking about it. We should be going in depth about it um, instead of just talking about the code or the technical side of your work. So in light of that, uh, who is the listener of this show? Like, what types of people? Is it maintainers? Is it people inside of companies, CTOs, executives? Like, who should be listening to this show? Like, who's our audience? Hmm. I mean, are you asking who we want the audience to be? Or yeah, I think both. You know, like, who do we design it? the show for? <laughs> and then, you know, who, who's the show designed for, so to speak, like in terms of the preparation and the admiration and the, the hope for this show, but then also, you know, who... You know, who listens to it and who should listen to it? To me, the most important people to listen to it are those that are in some position of leadership inside of a community. Though, so, like, I want to reach them, I think, first and foremost, and then fr from there, reach more people. But yeah. yeah, I've been getting feedback from people from, I think, all over the place. But when I think about who I've mentally designed this show for, um, it's people that are some sort of community leader with an open source in particular, um, who have some sort of responsibility to a project or to a set of people and are looking, I think, who are similarly craving that depth of conversation that we were when we started this. Mm -hmm. We touched a little earlier on, to some degree, how this show was formed. But the question I'm sure a lot of people ask is, you know, why the two of you together? Mike, you mentioned you listened to the episode we did with Nadia back in January. You had a meeting with her later that week. You hadn't actually met yet. So Take us back to like, why the two of you, why together, why do you both have a passion for this show and this topic? Well, for me, I just wanted like to be able to talk to Nadia all the time. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> like we, yay. <laughs> we, we don't really, I mean, even though we live in the same city, it's just, it's hard to schedule time to just be like, hey, let's sit and just chat for a while. So podcasting <laughs> is a new so way busy. to meet. I like it. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking like I talked to so many people and Plenty of conversations resonated with different people, but I felt like with Michael, it was someone I kept coming back to again and again. I, I think in our first conversation, I realized like he had seen so many different types of communities, types of situations that I could read about and try to understand, but that I hadn't experienced myself. Um, so that was really interesting for me. And then reading some of his older writing, it was just like there was that same level of, I think, vision or just like wanting to kind of zoom out and say, what does it mean that we're doing all this? Not just doing it, but kind of zooming out and, and asking the questions of why. Right. And it was just, and so whenever we would talk in person, it was just like, oh, wow, we can go like really deep into like, where is the world actually going? Why is it going in that direction? Like, what can we do about it? And, and um, yeah, he became someone that was like really formative for me in terms of how I think about sustainability. And I just wanted an excuse to keep going deeper on those topics. I remember, Jerry, when we got that email from Nadia, Take us back, Jared, if you can, if you can help me share these details. But 
I recall Jared and I having this perspective and it wasn't against Mike. We were just like so pro Nadia at that point. Yeah. We were like, <laughs> I'm not sure we really want to do a show that has a host along with Nadia. We felt like not that like you couldn't do it on your own or you could do it on your own. It was just more like we were just really pro Nadia. I think. What do you, what do you think? Yeah. Jared? Yeah. I was calling it the Nadia show. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, it, it's just it's Nadia. It's still the fine. Nadia show, by the way. Uh-uh. <laughs> but then Nadia's like, well, I really think Michael would add to it. And I was like, well, I mean, you're, I'm willing to give that a shot as well. And I actually think, I think Nadia, you were probably right. And we were probably wrong that I think the show definitely, um, is better for it, for having you and Michael as a team because you guys make a great team. And I think you guys bring the alternating uh, perspectives, you know, the the battle-hardened veteran of open source and the uh, thorough, you know, uh, journalist, um, you know, asking questions kind of from the inside and from the outside. So I, I think it's I think it's turned out great. But yeah, we were a little uh, just pro Nadia at, at first. We need to be convinced. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna share. Uh, hopefully, Nadia, you're not worried about this or get any anxiety about it, but I'm going to share a little piece that was in the original email from Nadia back to us. And this is April 7th. This is all shared on the show already. So it's nothing new, but she said, I'm circling back because last week, Michael and I were talking about or joking about doing a podcast with Carl Fogel and to nerd about, uh, nerd out about open source history and culture. And that was like, it's so funny to like look back in the past and see, and see where we came from and see where we're at now and all that to actually actually follow through with that getting Carl on the show and having those part one and part two conversations, which are shared with the world now and, you know, deeper conversations between you two actually taking place. That's cool. I like that. I was kind of nervous there because I was like, I wasn't sure whether Michael was actually serious about wanting to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we were kind of joking about it. Um, but yeah, but I think like, I think I got like a DM maybe like a week or two later being like, so are we doing this? I was like, okay, cool. I want to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Mike? Were you like, uh excited about working with us or what was your general thoughts on doing a podcast had you done one before i know you've been on plenty yeah. but have you actually produced a show before yourself or been a host yeah yeah so i've, I've produced a couple and and this inevitable thing happens where like i just I, I get too backed up in order to actually put them out so i record them because i want to have the conversation um and then i would you know eventually like lose track of actually publishing them <laughs> um but then when when Node kind of first started, uh, there was a podcast called Node Up that I hosted for the first few years, and that was also produced by somebody else. So it, it actually made it out on time and all that <laughs> because I wasn't responsible for it. So as I was looking at that and trying to do one again, um, it was really important that somebody else was responsible for getting them out because I actually want them to be released. But I think, you know. We, we recorded a bunch of these before we ever put them out. And then I remember getting a message from from you all, you know, really worried that you hadn't gotten them out yet. Like, you know, are you guys worried or whatever? <laughs> I think me and Nadia both had the same response, which was like, we would probably do these even if they weren't published. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were really enjoying having these conversations with people mm-hmm. um, and digging into this stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Should we mention the music at all by any chance? I mean, I know we, is anybody a fan of the music that, is the theme song for request recommends and Jared, I know you are. So, so I don't, so I don't got to say anything. And then you can say whatever you want, but I'm a fan. we know you're a huge fan of this, of that music. Cause we were a part of creating it. <laughs> True. Which is a backstory no one else knows about. So maybe share that. So now, so now we want Nadia and Michael to tell us how much they like the music. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But I was, I was already a Breakmaster Cylinder fan before 
you all played it. So. <laughs> you were prime. I don't know who Breakmaster Cylinder was until this, but then I looked Breakmaster Cylinder up <laughs> and that was cool. Yeah. That was pretty cool. To Michael's point, by the way, about the like getting stuff out on time and everything. Honestly, like having you guys produce the show and keep the trains running on time is the huge part of why we're even doing this. So And the sound thank quality. You. The sound quality is yes. so good. And the editing yeah. and everything like, yeah, it, it, I listen to a lot of podcasts and it's like noticeable how ones that don't sound as well or aren't as well put together. I will start listening to less just because it takes more mental energy to listen to them. Um, and yeah, so that's that's just been phenomenal. Awesome. Well, that's a that's a big part of producing podcasts we feel is is uh, quality content. And there's so many facets to the idea of quality content. It's like not only the content you're creating and making it engaging and informative, but also like, you know, taking a positive stance toward like good mics, good post-processing and good EQ and good mixing. And, you know, the awesome website we're launching on now, like all the work behind all these things, like there's so many moving parts I never thought would ever be part of producing podcasts here. Like I'm, my mind is blown by how far we've taken our desire for quality content. Mm. It's a limit, man. It's a but it's fun though. So let's uh, let's wrap up with the plan for season two. Unless there's anything else y'all want to share about season one, let's move on to like some plans on season two. Anything before we open that up yet? Uh, could we talk just a little bit about the reaction that we've gotten yeah, so far? Please, that's, uh, that's I know I know that you all have seen a lot. Um, I I was just I was at offline camp and Max Ogden was there and he was doing sort of a passion talk version of you know what what it takes to get grant funding for open source, which is great. Um, but when when he finished. Uh, Gregor, who runs the event, was like, oh, and if you're really interested in this, you have to listen to this podcast that Michael did and da, 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 da. And then like two other people were like, yes, everybody should listen to this podcast. And so I was like, nice. oh, wow, this is awesome. Uh, this is a great, great response uh, from these people. But yeah, yeah that that's uh, really kind of subjective. So <laughs> what about you? Not any favorite moments from people you met up in the community that's like, I love the show. It's so great. Keep doing it. I'm just amazed that people are listening to it. Um, cause I didn't want to be really annoying about like promoting the show all the time. So right. I think, you know, I talked about when it came out, I think I've, I've, um, shared out a couple of episodes, but I wasn't like, you know, just being overly promotional. Um, and so it's, it's just like always a delight when someone randomly reaches out or drops me a line that's saying they enjoy the show. It's, uh, it's just really nice. And it's nice to do something different from writing, I think too, but still putting content out there. Um, I've, I've kind of been writing a lot less since starting to work full time, but having this out there is like a, a great way to keep sharing ideas out into the world. Anybody reach out and give you a hug, Jared, on this show? Mention the 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 show or whatever at uh, OzCon or different conferences you've been at recently? Absolutely. I think uh, even in our members chat, uh, the ChangeLog members, we have a lot of people who love RC. I think Justin Dorfman is one of them. Yes. Who's constantly saying request for commits is is his favorite changelog show, which is, which is a love hate uh, response for me Yeah, (laughs) as a co-host of the changelog, you know, I love hearing that and I hate hearing that, but uh, (laughs) no, it's been good. It's been good. The response, there's been a lot of people when I was at uh, node interactive recently, there's been several people like similar, like I love the changelog, but man, that new show that request for commits, like it's just, It's really good. Don't stop doing that. So that must be some pretty good motivation for the two of you, Nadia and Michael, to to keep doing that. So let's let's talk about that then. Unless we have any any more before 
we open up the expectations for season two for the listeners. Nothing else? Nope. Okay. So the plan roughly for season two is recording and producing in season two, or sorry, in, in quarter one of next year. So January, February ish. And then working towards like late March, April ish, quarter two, season two out there. What do you all think about that? That seems doable. <laughs> We're going to try hard. We're going to try hard. I think what's different too about this, and it's helped me see a different side of podcasting because I've always been like, you got to do it weekly uh, for it to be successful. And I think something I've, what this show has helped me realize is a different side. And this is to anybody out there who produces podcasts. Maybe you don't always have to produce a weekly show. Maybe it can simply just be seasonal. Maybe it can be 11 awesome episodes that stand on their own for several months and they're timeless and then you can come back a few months later and record some more as long i think as as long as you set the expectation to the listening audience and do a good job of being top of mind at some point in the near future like nadia your work that you do michael the work you do you're both relevant in the community so your personal relevance keeps the you know the dna of the show live because later on whenever we produce the new season you all can share that it's out there again. And anybody who's a fan of you will be a fan of the next season. So I think that's, it's helped me change my perspective on a cadence of a show. I'm glad it's worked out that way because yeah, I don't know that we, we could have done it weekly, but I love the idea of having these nice little like bundles of information. Um, like with season one, we were, you know, thinking about a the theme for each of those episodes and they all kind of fit together into this one complete package and, um, I'm always a fan of like TV shows that get canceled after like one or two seasons mm-hmm. <laughs> because they end up becoming these like, you know, cult favorites and everyone just like dissects every single episode. Um, right. So maybe we'll end up doing that. One of my favorites on that note is Newsroom from HBO and it's three seasons long. Aaron Sorkin wrote it and it's just the writing and the cinematography is phenomenal. And I'm like upset that it's three seasons, but at the same time, I'm, like, I'm glad it's over because I don't know if I could handle Seven years of newsroom. It's perfect. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, you want, three yeah, seasons only. Sharkin can be a bad thing. He's best in small quantities. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I think also like how we think about the show changes with this kind of seasonal mindset, because it's not just like that it's hard to schedule us and, and that we travel a lot. It's also the kinds of guests that we get in and how we want to approach them. Some of them we talk about how to approach for like months actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) like how how do like what angle do we take and what do we kind of stay away from um because there are certain topics that like you know the person can and will talk about for you know 20 minutes but if we if we start to touch on that and it's not really relevant and not really where we want to go um like there's one guest that we've been talking about for i think at least like three months and it's just i I keep thinking about how to approach this person and like which angle to come at it from and like, yeah, we wouldn't be able to do that if it was like, you know, a weekly show where every week we're just trying to like, oh, who's doing something cool that we can schedule in and just kind of get them to talk about it. You know? Right. Yeah. We're not just trying to like fill a slot. Um, it's because I think it was like our time is precious. Everyone's time is precious on this show. And we're trying to really think through like, what does each episode say and what does it stand for? Mm-hmm. Which I think is, a, is the exact thing I personally needed on a perspective with podcasts. Cause like it's, we feel like, uh, Every you know, maybe maybe it's more of a me thing. I don't know, Jared, if you share this feeling or not, but you almost have this pressure in our in our position to create blockbuster podcasts, you know, like good podcasts that like 
get, you know, it's not even about listens. It's just more about popularity of it. Mm. And, and to not have simply the popularity as a focus to like, to laser focus on like a, a single season, an overarching topic across that, the right kind of guest to, to share that message to me shows a depth and thoughtfulness that I hadn't not so much not considered, but hadn't considered mostly because the cadence of podcasts typically is like any podcast you listen to out there's nine times out of 10, it's weekly, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to, to sort of be free of those shackles was very refreshing with this, mm. with this podcast. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, there, it's just different, right? Like I love both. Um, yeah. but it's sort of like, like I love Saturday night live and, and, but it's, they don't, put together sketches because they're all the best sketches they they put it together because it's saturday and it's midnight and they have to do a show exactly right? yeah and and like there, there's something to that like they get to be much more topical and and they get to be kind of part of like the culture of now but also yeah. like i still watch old episodes of the Chappelle show in a way that i oh, don't yeah. watch old episodes of snl <laughs> um, <laughs> right yeah yeah the, well, con- the constraint requires them to be creative in certain senses so that will squeeze out creativity where it otherwise would not have at the same time it also means that you're shipping a bunch of stuff that is half baked, you know? And Ooh. so it's, it's constraints. And, mm-hmm. um, I like that in podcasting, I'm just a fan of podcasting as a medium because there aren't any rules. You know, we can, we, we decide what, how the show is going to run and, and, you know, hopefully we can find a ways just like in software of sustaining that mm-hmm. uh, or not. But, you know, it really is a bit of a, a playground or a place where we can experiment and, and different shows can have different feels and different production schedules and, and all sorts of things. But in light of all that, tell us, tell us what your uh, thoughts are for season two. Um, I know we have a bit of a, a working theme that we're trying to focus on, but to give us some insights on what people can look forward to. Yeah. So we, we've been putting out this call. I know Nadia has been, been asking for people on Twitter and, and so have I, but we're, we're trying to get people to tell us about, more unsung heroes, like people that we wouldn't necessarily already know about, um, that we can, uh, feature on the show that have done, you know, really important work around sustainability. I mean, the, the previous show, you know, we had a long list of people that we were considering and we kind of pulled, you know, the people that we thought were the, the best in that. But again, it's all people that we somehow know about or have somehow like talked to before, um, or credited in some way. And so much of, the feedback that, that I've gotten from the show is like people are finding out about the people that they didn't know about. And then, so how many people do we not know about that are out there doing great work that we could talk to? Um, so we've been soliciting that. Um, that's not what the whole season will be about. There's a bunch of other great people that, uh, I think that we're planning on having and that we'll, we'll continue to consider, um, that we actually do know about, <laughs> um, but you know, kind of continually soliciting, um, the, these sorts of unsung heroes is a way to get at that research that we really can't do on our own. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, selfishly, it's also an excuse to find new people that I just have never heard about who are doing interesting work. Um, And already from putting out a call for that, I've been hearing about new people and that's been awesome. Um, I think because I'm fairly new to the space, when I started, you start, you start having these sort of go-to stories that you come back to and the go-to people that you go back to and you, they kind of, you can only keep so many people in your head at one time of like, these are all the people I know who know other things that are relevant. Um, and, and when we planned season one, it was a lot of people that we already knew, which made sense for, you know, being experimental. They were patient with us. But I'd really love to go forward and like always continue to meet new people. I think it's 
important not to get overly comfortable in the same set of stories or the same groups of people or the same way of thinking. Uh, I think that's just like a recipe for <laughs> anything dying out. Um, and I'm always looking for what is happening that I'm not thinking about and how can I push my current theses about how I think the world works um, through alternative stories and, and viewpoints. So I think that's a big part of what we're trying to do for next season. And then also like the concept of Unsung Hero is not just people that we don't know, but also people doing the kinds of work on open source projects that we might not, that might not always get uh, attention. So when I put out a, a request about this, um, a couple of people were talking about conferences and events and uh, events being a really big part of any thriving open source community, mm -hmm. whether it's you're launching a project in person or you're meeting other people or just developers are really big on in-person events. And that's something that people don't always think about. It's not that events in themselves always sustain a project, although they do sometimes, but it's more just that there's all this other necessary work that isn't just about code that, that we kind of take for granted. So I think I, I would like to dive into some of those perspectives as well. How about a place or a way that people can uh, contact and, and, you know, give the, the unsung heroes an opportunity to be on RFC season two. If you have somebody who, you know, is perfect for this, or they, they're doing something that they haven't gotten much uh, spotlight or respect, and they want to reach out to either Nadia or Michael, how's the best way to submit those? Twitter? Twitter's fine. Yeah. For, I, yeah. Yeah, I th yeah. Send it to us on Twitter. Um, also, don't hound us. We've had, <laughs> I've had a couple people that like are a little bit too persistent. And it's like th there's there's a lot that we consider when we think about a guest. So, <laughs> And it's not just are you interesting or not? It's the higher themes and things. So it's, it's not personal. But yeah, so don't be offended mm -hmm. if you if you don't make the cut, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. That's yeah. our position to be in, too, is to to be able to, mm -hmm. to have to tell people no. You know? Mm -hmm. But with, a, you know, 11 or 12 or, you know, so episodes in a season, you really have to, you have to weigh each decision wisely to, to match what you're trying to get across. That's yeah. a good point. We get 52 uh, shows a year and you guys get, you know, a handful every season. So it's very selective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are Saturday Night Live, Jared. We just. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, we, we just ship a show every week because we got to. Oh no! Oh my! <laughs> but you you have a much broader topic base as well. Yes, so, we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just you're, you're, yeah. I was just jabbing you, Michael, because because you said that. I was like, hey, <laughs> that's pretty much us. I love except Saturday for like, we're we got we're like the Dana Carvey, uh, Mike Myers, and then Will Ferrell era. Yes, <laughs> the one you go back to listen to or watch. We're like the good SNL, right? <laughs> there's a space up. in between those two eras by the way <laughs> yeah well i'm just picking the best parts and put it all together all right well if that's if that's it for this we wouldn't we really want to just do a behind the scenes of season one and this show and the people behind it and what goes into it so that you the listener can appreciate the quality in which we attempt to bring with each new season and kind of get a a, a look at uh Michael and Nadia from maybe a perspective you haven't really gotten or even Jared and I and being producers of the show behind the scenes with uh, Michael and Nadia. And I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of the work for season one. I'm looking forward to season two. I, uh, I'm really, really excited for it. So if you're listening to this, go to changelaw.com slash RFC. Click subscribe. Do not miss a show. 
season two is set for quarter two of 2017. We'll be recording in quarter one, so lots of fun happening there. And uh, if you're that diehard, might as well go to changelaw.com slash weekly because that's where we share all of our announcements. So when Request for Commits has updates or a new show is out there, that's the best way to subscribe other than obviously Overcast or iTunes or whatever else. So anything else y'all want to share? If not, we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye. What, what else we got? Nothing. 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 Bye. Thanks. We'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Mm-hmm.